So I hope that you've been reading along in the book of Acts and getting into it. We're just about six chapters into the book of Acts as a church reading along, uh, practicing everyday devotion as we do that. And if you're only, if you haven't started, you're only six chapters behind. You gotta catch up. Cause if you haven't had uh, a practice of reading scripture in the past, this is the greatest place in the Bible to start. Guys, this is the story of the church. This is a narrative that just grabs hold of you. And so here's my commitment to you. If you read for seven days in the book of Acts and it bores you and it doesn't snag you, I will buy you lunch. It, it will be Taco Bell, but I will buy you lunch. So I challenge you. I dare you to jump in. Because it's been awesome to read these stories again. It's been challenging and inspiring to just jump in to these, uh, these opening chapters of the new church. Um, and so I hope that you join me in that. And actually, we're going to be looking at uh, Acts 3 and 4. I'll, I'll tell you where it's at here in, script, in Scripture in a couple minutes um, together this morning. But one of the themes that just uh, is so prominent in these open, opening chap- chapters that just pops up has to do with this question. What's in a name? What's in a name? And long before Shakespeare ever asked it, the people of God knew the answer to this question because it is so different than the way we approach naming. Because, you know, for us, we name things, and naming things means something, right? I mean, we name our pets and our cars and our our guitars, and we name our kids. So they're my kids. And so let me tell you about the names of my kids. That's Joseph Allen Lyons, named after one of my best friends, one of my Christian mentors, uh, who was best man at my wedding, Joe Doherty. And Allen is my father's middle name. That's Heather Nicole Lyons. Um, Heather, she's named after me because a female Heath, my name's Christopher Heath, is a Heather. So she's named after me. Heather Nicole, we just like, but she goes by Nikki. And that's Catherine Grace Lyons. And that, she was named after Lisa's two grandmothers. Now, if we named her after my two grandmothers, she would have been Marjorie Matilda. <laughs> Praise Jesus, we picked the right side of that. She doesn't look anything like a Marjorie Matilda. But, you know, and so it means something when we name things. But for the people of God at the time of Jesus, we're only scratching the surface at the depth and the difference that naming things meant. Because it was so much more than just an identifier that that's that person's name. It represented everything about that person, the nature of that person, the power of that person. And so when they applied that to God, the name of God was holy. It was to not be taken in vain. It conveyed authority. It actually conveyed a confession of faith when you called on the name of the Lord. And so it's no surprise when Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, He taught his, His followers, Hallowed, holy be your name. But maybe it is surprising to see that as Jesus continued to teach His followers, He taught them and told them, You ask anything in My name, and it will be given to you. And the new church, the church in Acts, found that that was coming true, that the unique name of Jesus was the fuel for the new church. It was the power base for the new church. In the three chapters of Acts we read this week, the, the phrase, the name of Jesus, comes up 12 times. Go count them. If I'm wrong, I'll buy you Taco Bell. Hey, some of you owe me for the Rose Bowl, by the way, but that's a different sermon. Okay. Twelve times it comes up in the opening chapters in the name of Jesus. And it was coming true in the early book of Acts that this wasn't magic, it wasn't hocus pocus, but it was who they were all about. It was what they were all about. They were all about Jesus. And that's what it looked like to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it's a model of ministry, I think, that should challenge us as individuals 
and as a church today. So come with openness to look at what's it mean to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, to have such a belief in the power of the name of Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Father, it's true there's so many needs in our world, and we're, gosh, I know for me, I'm, I'm tempted to try to do it all in my own power so many times that under the influence of my workaholism or thinking i got the smarts to figure it out, maybe others are that, that way too, but you caused me under the influence of your Spirit to live and love responsively led by you and by your mighty name. Help us see just the inspiration of the new church and be like that, become like that as people, as a community. Help us be challenged to be changed this day. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight, Lord Jesus. Amen. So if you want to flip open, there's Bibles around you, or you have a Bible, to Acts chapter 3. It's on about a page 1,000. 1,004, something like that. Pick up a Bible, flip through. I'm going to actually highlight uh, and do a summary briefly of Acts chapter 3, and then we're going to actually look at Acts chapter 4 together. If you don't know these stories, they're amazing to go back to. But in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are headed to the temple for prayer. And they come upon a crippled man who's been there. He's been crippled his entire life. And he looks up at them. And he's, he's expecting something. He just he catches their eyes and he's expecting something. The message version is so great because Peter says to him, Hey, buddy, I don't have a nickel to my name. But in the name of Jesus, stand up. And then he does a crazy thing. He actually takes his hand and he just lifts him up. And these legs have never worked. Wow, you can stand. They worked. And so there's this healing and the whole place is a buzz. And he starts jumping and dancing around and praising the Lord. And it draws a crowd. And Peter says, great, a crowd. And he preaches to them about the holy, about um, what Jesus meant. That he was the Messiah who had come and they crucified him. But God had raised him from the dead. And that there's no other name but this one that's fully healed this beggar, this cripple. And there was just all this joy as they, they, they saw this miracle happen. And then you know what happened? It got him thrown in jail. But not before the church grew to nearly 5,000 people that day. Who, who knows that story? Temple Gate called Beautiful Story. Check it out. Acts chapter 3. It's amazing. And there's some key markers, a model of ministry that we got to just highlight from that chapter because they, they happen time and time and again throughout the entire book of Acts. So here's some things I want to highlight. The church at that time, they're always, they started with prayer. They're going to the temple to pray together. That's what they did. They always saw need and responded. It's not just that they spoke healing. They actually helped the guy up and his ankles and his legs became strong. They always expected miracles. It was just the nature of the early church. And then they always used the opportunities that miracles seemed to bring. They bring a crowd to talk to people about the name of Jesus Christ. They were always together in everything. Even as they got thrown in jail, they were together in it. You know, I look, at, I look at the pattern of this church, the model of ministry, and it challenges me to ask some questions about, gosh, if, am I led by the Holy Spirit like that? Am I under the, the influence like that? Are we, as a community, looking like this? 
Maybe you can remember at Christmas time, some of you are here. I, I preached about Simeon. Raise your hand if you remember Simeon. Luke, early part of Luke. You know, he followed the leading of the Holy Spirit and went to the temple and saw the baby Jesus and knew this was the Messiah. And he said, okay, God, you can take your servant. I can depart in peace. Remember? And I said to you, hey, I believe in real life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit might tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, go do something. And you should listen to it and respond. Remember we talked about being like Simeon? I got a D minus on the application of my sermon that week. D minus. Because that week, like three days later, I was in Salt Lake. And I was trying to go to bed. And it was like 11.30 Salt Lake time. And I couldn't sleep. And I just had a friend on my heart. I got up. I'm like, oh, maybe I should call him. Well, it's 10.30 there. I don't want to wake him up. Well, like 12.30 comes. And then like 1.30 comes. Oh, maybe I should still call him. It's like 1 in the morning. And Pacific time, oh, I won't call him. I'll call him tomorrow. i just like, oh, this ache of this friend who I know is going through crisis. So I finally get to sleep about 2 in the morning. I call him the next morning. I'm like, dude, I was thinking about you. I was like, up till 2 in the morning. First thing he said, why didn't you call? <laughs> why didn't you call? Stuff was hitting. I mean, stuff was going on. Why didn't you call? And I'm like, oh, I, I blew it. I blew it. But you know, it's all right. I just want to encourage you to know, I feel like I'm just a beginner. We're all just beginners in this listening to the Holy Spirit. But trust me, when you feel that tap, step out. I'd rather err on the side of calling all of you at one in the morning and bugging you and saying, oh, I guess it must have been the Taco Bell. <laughs> is that okay? So do it. Step out. But this is real life stuff. If we want to live under the Holy Spirit, and if we're open to live in love responsively led by God, it is real life stuff. So let's look together at the, at the book of Acts in chapter 4. Because as they've had this miracle in chapter 3, now the, the Jewish leaders have got them together and they're asking the question, what are you guys all about? What are you all about? And here they get to tell them in Acts chapter 4. So flip open with, with me because they get to really talk about the dif- their difference, their conviction, and their passion. And it's highlighted in these, in these verses, starting at verse 5 and following. The next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem and they brought... Peter and John in, and they asked him this question. By what power or what name did you do this? What's the name? What's the power by which you did this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness showed to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do about these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in the name. Then they called them in together and and commanded them to, to not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, 
they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And then Peter and John go to the church. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. And they cried out. They actually pray Psalm 2 together. And they go, it goes down from there. And this is the heart of their prayer. Now, Lord, this is verse 29. Consider their threats and enable your ser- servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It's an amazing story. I encourage you to go home and check it out some more. But of the things that strike me about the difference, the conviction, the passion of these men, at the heart of it, the key thing was the name of Jesus meant everything to them. The name of Jesus meant everything to them. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He let loose, preaching by the Holy Spirit. He said, it's about the name of Jesus. There is no other name, no other name that that salvation comes by except for the unique name of Jesus. It was at the heart, it was actually the the power base, the fuel, the source of power of the new church. It was a confession of their faith, and they believed, this guy is healed because of it. You can be saved because of it. It's all about Jesus, and that's what we are all about. So as their accusers stood before them, and they heard the response of Peter and John... They could see the difference. They could see the conviction, and they could see the compassion. You know, the difference was this. They had been with Jesus. When they asked the question, like, what's the power, what's the name by which you're doing these things? And Peter says, it's by the name of Jesus. And then the accusers, they were were blown away because they said, there's nothing special about these guys. They're fishermen. They're common folk. There's nothing special about these guys except, it says they noted, they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. It's not what they know. It's who they know. They had been with Jesus. And it was undeniable because the evidence was this healed man standing in their midst, 40 years a cripple, and his legs were made strong. The difference was this. They had been with Jesus. The conviction, number two, was this. They can't not talk about Jesus. Forgive the double negative. They, thanks for laughing, master degree English girl. But they can't not talk about Jesus. When they're told, hey, stop it, shut it, close your pie hole, don't talk anymore about Jesus. You guys got to stop it. Peter and John is like, hey, you can judge for yourselves, but I'm telling you, we're not going to stop talking about what we've seen and what we have heard. You know, the name of Jesus was grating. It was blasphemy to fail. You remember? You guys remember the knights that say knee? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. I win the bet again with my wife. I had a baby. So they're, they're in the, the forest, and these knights that say knee, they come out and they attack these other knights, King Arthur and his crowd, by saying knee, knee. And they're like, oh, stop it. You're killing me. Knee, knee, knee. Okay, that's all I've got. But anyhow, the Jesus is the name. You've got to shut it up. But the conviction of the early church, the conviction of these apostles, you know, we're not going to stop talking. doesn't matter your threats. doesn't matter your threats. We're going to keep talking about the name of Jesus. 
So the difference is they've been with Jesus. Their conviction is that they can't not talk about Jesus. And their passion was this. They're all about praising God and praying for even more boldness as a church. You know, it's interesting that these two stories, it starts with prayer and it ends with prayer. They go back to the wider church and they just bust open in a prayer meeting. It, it bookends these stories. And it, I guess it makes me see, guys, the boldness started because they were just crying out the name of the God, to the name of the Lord. They're calling out in Jesus' name. And their, their prayers are amazing. They're like, Lord, make us bold. Oh my gosh, I thought they were already bold. Right? Make us more bold. Don't quit. God, bring miracles. I mean, works of wonders and amazement. Wow, I thought that was already happening, right? Bring more miracles so that your name may be praised. Keep pouring it on to the point that the place that they were praying in was shaken like an earthquake. And they turned the world upside down. The difference is that they'd been with Jesus. The conviction was that they can't not talk about Jesus. And the passion... It was all about praising God and praying for more boldness. That's the model of the early church. And this week it's challenged me. Is that the model of ministry in my own life? Is that the model of ministry of this community as we gather? Is that what we look like? And it, it leads me to some personal questions I, I challenge you with today. What difference do people see in me? Can they look at my life and say, Gosh, that guy's been with Jesus. There's a depth to him. In his faith. What conviction do people see in me? Do they hear me talk about my faith? Do they hear me talk about Jesus in the right kind of ways, the appropriate ways? Not shoving it down their, their throats, but living it out? The third question, what passion do people see in me? Do they see me as someone who's bold in prayer, quick to praise and be grateful for all that God's given? If the Spirit so influences my life, if the Spirit so influences our life as a community, then people will say yes to those things. They'll see a difference. They'll see a conviction. They'll see a passion. For it's true, if there's no other name except for Jesus by which we can be saved, healed, filled, comforted, insert name, insert here, that word that Jesus most means for you, if there's no other name, then we should live it. We should take it seriously. We should take it personally. And I, I want to close today by talking about how this relates to prayer, the bookends of their experience, prayer. Listen to this quote. It's from a youth ministry book. No quick fix is envisioned, but expectancy seems to expand with every mile of the prayer walks. Most of these prayers don't imagine themselves to be just bravely holding flickering candles toward an overwhelming darkness. Rather, long fuses are being lit for anticipated explosions of God's love. Long fuses are being lit for anticipated explosions of God's love. It starts and stays with prayer. You know, think about your life. Think about the challenges. Think about the darknesses in this world. You know, and the Holy Spirit wants to show up with explosions of care and of love and to rock our lives. You know, this is a beautiful picture that, you know, there's so much darkness out there, but we're not just like holding this tiny little candle and like we're all alone. We are connecting to the name of Jesus, to the source, to the power of God being lived out in this life. And it's like this long fuse that's going to explode in maybe ways we don't understand, probably in ways that we don't expect. I wasn't expecting when I was in Salt Lake that I was going to get this spiritual nudge that I should call my buddy Jace. It's not the way I expected it, but it came. 
very frequently it comes in the ways that we don't expect. Am I right? It comes in the ways that we don't expect. Let me share this great story. Uh, messy spirituality, if you've read this, it's amazing. Pick it up, it's pretty good. Better than actually Monty Python. Hard to believe. But here we go. This is a book by Mike Yacknell, and he tells a story about this um, clean-cut, very conservative Bible school kid who goes out in the inner city of Philadelphia to do evangelism door-to-door. He's clutching his Bible, first time he's ever risked. Here he goes. So he knocked on the door of this uh, apartment complex, and a woman holding a naked, howling baby opened it. She was smoking and not in any mood to hear some white, idealistic college kid tell her about Jesus. She started cursing at him and slammed the door in his face. The young man was devastated. He walked out on the street, he sat down on the curb, and he wept. Look at me. How in the world could someone like me think I could tell anybody about Jesus? Then he remembered that the baby was naked and that the woman was smoking. The plan forming in his head didn't seem terribly spiritual, but he ran down the street to a local market, bought a box of diapers and a pack of cigarettes. When he knocked on the door again, he showed the woman his purchases. She hesitated and then invited him in. For the rest of the day, he played with the baby and changed his diapers, even though he had never changed diapers before. When the woman offered him a cigarette, even though he didn't smoke, he smoked. He spent the entire day smoking and changing diapers. (laughs) Never said a word about Jesus. Late in the afternoon, the woman asked him, why are you doing all of this? And finally, he got to tell her everything he knew about Jesus. It took about five minutes. (laughs) When he stopped talking, the woman looked at him and said softly, Pray for me and my baby that we can make it out of here alive. So he did. You know, he lived his faith. He didn't just talk about it. When the young man returned to college, he didn't start smoking. But he did start listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, so often it doesn't show up the way we'd expect it. But like the new church, the Spirit wants to come alive and shake us and open us up to, to know that by the name of Jesus, we can feel the nudge, be under the influence to live and love responsibly, led by Jesus. You know, on a personal note, I, I guess I kind of I have to relate how this has uh, struck me regarding the whole situation in Haiti. Um, I've been there twice on student mission teams, 1996-99, the most beautiful people, amazingly faithful people, warm, hospitable people. Um, And so this past week, uh, I've been reflecting, as many as you have, about how hard it is to just imagine what's going on there. But I've got to tell you, a miracle has been happening. Listen closely, a miracle has been happening. Our friends Peter and Sarah, their mission to Haiti started long ago. And even though they're not on the island right now, their mission continues. Because if you're anything like me, because you have a heart connection to these dear friends of ours, you have a heart connection for this busted island right now, don't you? And if you're anything like me, you've probably prayed more about this disaster than any of the last 10 years. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's probably not the way I would have expected for the spirit to break out. But it's the way I'm seeing the spirit break out. Emails going back and forth. The church getting phone calls. How can we help? How can we help? How can we help? And so we are amazingly blessed by our friends who our friends who have said yes to a call to follow Jesus and their mission has started even though they're here right now. And we'll continue to join them in praying and seeing how God wants us to respond to that need. But just to keep calling out in the mighty 
name of Jesus. You know, um, I learned a song when I was in Haiti. I love speaking Creole. It's like lazy French, and I'm very good at lazy French. Um, and so here's, this is how the song goes. It's how I want to end us today. Combien moon keeper lambatayla, combien moon. Combien moon keeper lambatayla, combien moon. Si punan tetan sam punu servi bon dieu. Combien moon keeper lambatayla, combien moon. Tell me who's gonna join the battle for the Lord. Tell me who's gonna join the battle for the Lord. If we put our heads together and we serve our God. Tell me who's going to join the battle for the Lord. It's a question. Are we going to show up in the mighty name of Jesus and join with our brother and sister who are going to be in that country? We're going to just pray like mad for them and know and trust that somehow God is going to be present in miraculous ways because the church responds. Will you join me? Amen. Let's pray. When we reflect on it, Father, we're under all kinds of influences, the influence, uh, the need to be successful or have our act together or rely on our own strength. Um, but you call us to a different kind of life, this model of ministry of the new church where you call us to be different because we've been with you and spent time with you, Jesus. You call us to have conviction that talking about you, Jesus, as the way the truth and life just pours out of us. You've called us to passion to pray with boldness and see miracles done in our lives. We want to live that kind of responsive, loving following of you. We know we can only do it by your name. So this day, Lord, each day, not just encourage us. Help us be the church. Help us be your people, especially in these times of need. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.